Hey, everybody, Will here with this week's interview chair. This week, we have the legend himself, Mr. Bruce Schultz. So sit down and relax and listen to Bruce the next hour. Hi, everybody. Today, we have a special treat of the interview chair. We have legend Mr. Bruce Schultz. How are you, Bruce? I'm very good. I don't know if I'm a legend or not, but... Um, <laughs> well, I think you're a legend. You're always yeah. a legend to me, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. How, how's Tara? Tara's doing great. Excellent. Absolutely wonderful, and she's uh, at the kennel right now. So the two kennels keep uh, her busy and everything. I'm sure. But I can't imagine anymore. Since I retired, I, I only have four dogs here. And it's, it's sometimes that seems like that's enough. I can't imagine having 30 or 40 back in the right. day. So, oh, yeah, well. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's get started. Um, how old were you, Bruce? And how did you get involved in the sport of dogs? Oh, my God. It was probably. <laughs> Uh, I lived in Minnesota, up in Minnesota, and I always had a dog back there, okay? And in 1970 or 71, uh, I moved to Phoenix, and I always wanted to have an Irish setter. I had a German short hair pointer, and I had a Weimaraner, and we had beagles, and grew up with beagles. And... Um, you know, in, in Minnesota, it was, you know, we always, my brothers and I always either hunted or fished with growing up. I played baseball and basketball and all that kind of stuff. We, we always hunted and fished and all that. And I, in my, I used to dream about having an Irish setter. So when I moved to Phoenix, I looked in the paper and all that kind of stuff and trying to find an Irish setter puppy for sale and all that kind of stuff. Well, I finally found one. And the lady I found for one was uh, in obedience. And she was training her dogs for obedience and all that kind of stuff. And it ended up to her. She had, they were all purebred dogs and everything else. And she went to the shows and showed in obedience at the shows. And all these dogs were from Grace Nielsen, Thunderin Kennels. And so I bought one from them, or from her, and started working in obedience and all that kind of stuff, and then started going to the shows and obedience and everything. And it, um, then I bought another one from Candy Kennels in San Diego. So, and that, then I had two. So, you know, I was pretty much hooked on iris setters and everything, and... The Irish Setter dog went with me everywhere. He was my buddy, drove next to me in my pickup and all that kind of stuff. No matter where, wherever I went, he went with me. So um, he actually killed from my gardener and left the gate open and he got out and got killed and run over by a car. So I bought another one and started working obedience with, with the then I had two bitches. So that's how I got started, basically. And I started going to shows and showing you obedience. And then started watching the confirmation classes. And I'm going, wow, this is pretty interesting. Maybe I'll start doing this everything else and started doing that. And pretty how soon. How old were you, Bruce? Uh, 
around, let me see, that was in 1970, so I was 70 or 21. 21, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that gives my date now by birthday away, huh? <laughs> Look how sneaky we are. <laughs> yeah, so I was 21 when I did that, and I've had dogs ever since, you know? Started going to shows and everything else, and pretty soon people would ask me, hey, can you show my dog for me? And started from there. Wow. Sure, yeah, just, that's how I got started. Then I went to work for, <clears throat> I used to drive back and forth from Phoenix every weekend and went to work for uh, Patty Grant and worked for her on the weekends, drove back, opened the office and everything else. I can never remember, you know, I always remember this. I uh, would uh, close the gates Friday afternoon, late Friday afternoon, drive to I'd drive drive to LA no matter what was where the shows were, drive back Sunday night and enough time to get home and basically go to the office and go to the gates. So uh, that was my love for the dog shows. I got hooked, let me tell you. I bet. So, I think about those days when, uh, when even when I was a kid, my and my dad would take me to the, to the shows. But he would get us there for the Friday show, and he'd have to work again Monday. So he'd show all weekend and drive all the way. And we're, uh, I, I think about it now. I think, oh God, I could never do that. Oh <laughs> yeah. Beat. Yeah. So basically, I was uh, working seven days a week. Yeah. For a long, long time. So, and that went on for oh my God, ten years, like a ten, twelve years. And finally, I gave it up and, and my business up and all that kind of stuff because I had a love for dogs. And it was a steady income instead of uh, the business I was in. It was up and down and up and down, depending on the construction business. So, and at that time, the construction business took a dump and everything else, but I was still making money showing dogs. Sure, yeah. So I started showing dogs, and that's where I ended up, so... And so you, you went out on your own, basically, then, and just became a professional handler. Yeah. So when did you when did you meet Gretchen? I met Gretchen uh, probably, I'm trying to remember the date and all that kind of stuff, but it was in uh, Yuma, Arizona, when I met Gretchen. Now, you you had a uh, quite a prominent dog in the in the 80s, um, the Irisetta Rufus. Um, were you already on your own? You were on your own then, that obviously, by yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Rufus was a great setter. I mean, he was a, he was quite a dog. I mean, he just, uh, actually, I won. That was the first breed that I won at the garden was under with Rufus. And, you know, I was just a youngster, basically, at the time. You know, I can still see the picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so can I. <laughs> I wonder how the hell I did it, but you know, for some reason the judge liked him. So <laughs> Rufus, Rufus, for anybody who doesn't know, was a uh, Kimberlin's of Kelly of Topo bred by Claire Andrews. He was a he's, uh, he, he he holds a special place in my heart because he was a sire of my first big winning dog. So that's yeah. why I started following you because of Rufus. Yeah, it was a great time. 
Sam and Barbara Tapos were the owners of Rufus, and they were great people. They they loved that dog, and they went everywhere that he went. So we had a great time. Yeah. How how long did you show Rufus for? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was two years, two and a half years. Yeah. Now was so, that was the group third of the garden? Was that the 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 culmination of his career, or was that the end of his career, or was that the beginning of his career? Uh, that was pretty much the beginning of, the, of his career. Well, that's a nice way to start, then. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, because he was basically a no-one to the judges going into the garden, and we couldn't believe it. Uh, he had done some winning on the West Coast and everything, but mm. uh, he had the best in show and all that kind of stuff, but, but you know, nothing big. Until after the garden, so, and he was the first dog that uh, went to Best in Show on Aubrey Best in Show on, so he was basically the start of my career of winning Best in Shows. I can still see him. I can still see the picture. I'm per- I, I, we had this talk earlier. I'm pretty sure it was Alvin Maurer who gave you the breed of the garden, but I, that's who yeah. I see in my head. But I, I could be wrong. That. <laughs> yeah, and all the biggies were there. I mean, shit, you were there, and all the big. Time Irish setter people from the east were there, and you know, I, I don't know if I was just an out, <laughs> but I think Elvin judged that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, there you go. That was that was pretty good. Um, yeah. what was after Rufus? Who was after Rufus? Oh my god, there were a lot of dogs after Rufus. After Rufus, after getting the first best in show. And uh, I would always complain about not getting a best in show and not really getting a best in show. And I've never heard you complain ever. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, in the back of my mind, and, and um, after Rufus got that best in show, then the best in shows started to come in pretty easy. And I had a lot of dogs that went best in show. And, you know, one of the main dogs that, I uh, went best in show with and everything else was the German Shorter Pointer, Britannia. Yeah. And she won 50 best in shows and 150 group ones in two years. And you won the group of the garden. Yeah, I won the group of the garden, two back to back groups. Okay. Yeah. And after that was the Rosetta, the Silk Teddy. And these were all in the 80s. So, and the Silk Teddy came right after the short here. And I can't believe that. And then I put 150 and 150, or 150 groups and 50 best and shows on her. I mean, right after the short hair. So, uh, yeah. that was great. That you know, doesn't happen. So, you know, plus all the other dogs that I had. You know, I had Borzois and, and a number of other breeds of uh, bloodhounds and everything else that had best in shows in there, too. So, but those were the two dogs that I won a lot of best in shows on. Yeah. Good time, Silk Teddy. I remember her for sure. That yeah. was, it was exciting watching her show. I love Britannia, too, but I was a setter guy, so. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I loved them both, and uh, both of them were wonderful you know, show bitches and everything else. And that's probably why I act to show bitches now. Mm-hmm. You know, give me a bitch in a day and, you know, I'll show them. 
you know, a good one. Yeah. I, I love shrimp bitches as well. Um, so after Teddy, um, I want to I want to know it all, Bruce. So keep, keep telling me what happened. What happened after the silk Teddy bitch? <laughs> well, after Teddy, it kind of it's kind of uh, I won a lot of best and shows on different dogs and everything, and top in the breed, top in the group, and number one in their breeds, all breed and everything else. So you know, I had a I had a good. Uh, Borzari from Canada that ended a lot of winning with. I had a, a lot of bo uh, border collies that I did a lot of winning with. And I had an Irish setter that I showed right after the Silk Teddy. Oh. Her name was Rosie. I remember Rosie. And she was a beautiful bitch, too. Mm -hmm. But the judges had given me so much with the short hair and with the English setter. And then she came in right after them, and I didn't win as much with her that I that she should have won a lot more. I thought. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. It happens, right? And I think I think uh, I remember showing this beagle dog, and he won a bunch of groups, and I couldn't win best in shows on him. And then the next dog I showed won a bunch of best in shows. And I'm not sure he was as good as the first one. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, what I think you... lot, I think a lot of times, you know, the judges. If they if they give you so many best in shows and all the and groups and all that kind of stuff, a lot of their judges said, "Well, he's won a lot in the last you know six years or whatever, five years. You know, I'm going to give it to someone else or whatever." So, you know, that happens a lot, I think. Yeah, and it all comes down to timing. Sometimes uh, uh, really good dogs get overlooked because of bad timings. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, another dog that comes to my mind is uh, Alistair. When I think of him, oh. that was a hell of a dog. <laughs> oh, that was a great Irish setter. I mean, he was a beautiful, beautiful Irish setter. And he didn't get what he deserved. Oh, no way. Yeah, you're right. I think he was so beautiful that the judges didn't know what to do with him. Because, uh, I mean, just to look at him, he had a beautiful, beautiful head on him. And he was a bigger dog, and maybe the judges, a lot of judges, thought he was too big. He was too big. Yeah, no, but I, he, was, <laughs> yeah, he was in standard and everything else. And, you know, at that time, I was showing other dogs that I was getting best in shows on and everything else. And, you know, the judges probably just thought, well, he's a little big and all that kind of stuff. I won groups on him and everything, but he never got what he deserved. He won the national because I was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Maxine Travelda's once upon a time. Just in case people yeah. who else. Yeah. He was he was he was a picture. There's no question. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of a lot of people bred to him for some reason. And but boy, he was a beautiful dog. Yeah, he sure was. I I, I can still see him. I can still see him. He was he was probably the most beautiful Irish hunter that I showed. Yeah. I mean. He was beautiful. <laughs> you get goosebumps thinking about him. I, you know, yeah, yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Yeah. So, and that was the, that was early '90s, wasn't it? Because I yeah. was showing it up. Yeah. I, mean, I remember I was in the ring with you at the national that year. So, yeah, <laughs> that was exciting. Exciting. It was wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, 
But I never won the breed at the garden with him. No. No. Which is too bad. Oh, for sure. I have a question for you, though. Mentors. Who would you consider your mentors in this sport? Because you, you, you kind of came up in an unorthodox way for a handler. But I'm sure there was so much influence that made you who you are. So Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, right, Bob and Patty Grant, they weren't known to be, you know, great people and everything else. But they were very, very good mentors to me. Mm-hmm. You know, Patty could show Doug beautifully. And I don't know if you remember Bob and Patty Grant. No, no I don't. And... They showed some Gordon setters. They showed Irish setters and English setters and all that. Patty Grant would, could put together a dog and make that dog look absolutely beautiful. Even though he was a mediocre dog. After she got through with it, it looked beautiful. And Bob was the trimmer. He did the trimmer. And between the two of them, you know, basically they taught me how to handle, how to trim and all that good stuff. They were hard people to, to, to work with because, I mean, they were pretty pretty rough and all that kind of stuff, not with the dogs or anything like that. But they made you listen to them and all that. So those were those two were my mentors. Okay. I never worked for any other handler but them. But there's uh, obviously there was outside mentors too that they don't even know they're your mentors. Like, um, like I have, like I think about even George. I never really worked for George, but he was so instrumental in how I became me. Oh, know? sure, absolutely. You know, I'd go around and watch in different rings and watch these people and the handlers and all that kind of stuff. I would show their dogs and all that kind of stuff. And you know, you did a beautiful job with your dogs. I mean, absolutely beautiful. I wanted to be even like you. <laughs> 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 do you, I, got a, I got a funny story I'm going to tell. Do you remember uh, I flew out there for, I think it was, um, it was English Center National, I think. And I had my assistant with me, Yvonne, who you know. Yeah. And she was so infatuated with you. We all went out to dinner, you and I, and, and Gretchen and Yvonne. And Someone took a picture. I don't know who took a picture, but someone took a picture. So I'm at Yvonne's place, and she was my assistant. I'm, I, I'm having dinner or something at Yvonne, and there's a picture on the refrigerator, and it's just you and her having dinner. She had us two taken out of the picture. <laughs> They're like, how did you do that? <laughs> uh, she was I was a great sitting girl. right there. <laughs> uh, she was a great gal. <laughs> oh, we used to have some fun with her, though, teasing her about you. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's so much to remember in my career that a lot of times I forget about all the things that happened in my career because a lot of, of, it was so much. Well, for sure. And I was very, very privileged to to be able to get to know a lot of people that I I would have never known other than being in the dog show business yeah, and from all over the world. And, you know, one of my, one of the people that they, that I watched and all that kind of stuff and was Jimmy Moses. 
you know, with the German Shepherd and all that kind of stuff. And uh, just watching him, what he did with these dogs, you know, it was kind of unbelievable. And he'd bring one right after the other, and and some of them were not different than, than others. And at that time, I was competing against him with the Border Collies. And I think three or four years in a row, I went second to him in the group with, I think, two or three different German shepherds. And they all looked different. (laughs) I'll never forget it. One of them he had, I go, how the hell do you win with that guy? Oh, he's a nice guy. I go, really, Jim? You know, he beat me in the group at the garden. So <laughs> he's he's amazing. No question. <laughs> he has to be one of my mentors. You know, just watching him and doing things and his ability to do it over and over and over and over and over again. So just the way he connects with the dogs, it's unbelievable. So yeah, and to be able to do it over and over and over, and like he did. I mean, he had to have something going for him. Yeah. You know, and just like I said, I did so much winning with a couple dogs. You know, a few judges pushed me off a little bit of the winning and all that. But it never happened to him. So, there you go. (laughs) I always, whenever he he used to come up here every summer before the Shepherd National, he'd show up for a few weekends in a row. And it was just fun watching him. I remember him taking captain out and running captain around a, a soccer field one time. And it was just, he said, just, he said, watch this. And he didn't run it. He made someone run it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it was just incredible. It was, and then he didn't explain what he was doing. And he's, you're right. He's an incredible mentor to a lot of us. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are there any dogs out there besides your own that you showed that you looked upon that you, have become stamps in your head of that breed that you wish you could have been maybe a part of, or you would have liked to have shown at some point, or just made a stamp on you, made an impression on you? Uh, yeah. One of the dogs that I really, really thought that I would like to show was Pepsi. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, Chris and I were very, very good friends because we competed against each other all the time and all the time and all the time. And he'd win some, I'd win some, and we'd end up going to the same shows together back east and all the good stuff, and we spent a lot of time together. And, you know, at one time, you know, I'd go, my God, I wish I could show that dog, you know, just once. Yeah. Just want to show that dog. So, yeah. I was getting you and his brother mixed up. He was the challenger, right? Kibik's the challenger. And the other one yeah. was the front runner, I think. Front runner, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Pepsi was the first one he did a lot of winning. Yeah. I think um, Pepsi had a great attitude. You know, he'd walk in the ring, here I am, and, you know, screw everyone else, you know? So he, was, a long way. he was one of my heart dogs. So. Oh, sure. Um, what about advice? Do you have any advice for young handlers? Uh, I was just thinking about that. 
<laughs> and the first thing that comes to my mind is, in a, you've got a plan for the future. I mean, the way things are right now, you can have a lot of money in your pocket, but it's not going to last forever. Right. So you've got to have some kind of a plan, invest your money, put it away, and so you'll have something when you get older and you can't run around anymore. And believe me, you know, it it comes real fast. And you think you've got the world by the horns and all that kind of stuff. And pretty soon you're 65, 70 or whatever, and you go, holy shit, you know, it's hard for me to run around again. And you've got to do something. You have to have something planned on the side. Whether you do a bunch of investments in real estate or whatever, uh, whether you buy a kennel, you know, you've got a plan for the future. That's good advice. Um, any any judging aspirations, Bruce? Well, I judged in foreign countries a lot, and I enjoyed it a lot. And with Tara still showing and everything else, she loves the show. You know, it's going to be very, it, it would be hard for me to, to have her quit just so I could go show. Right. And, you know, they, uh, they make it hard for you. And right now it's not bad because I'll give you a group if you're invited. <laughs> but before, they make it very hard for you because uh, you had to go to all these groups all over again. I mean, you've spent, if you're a Henry, you spend all your life learning about dogs and learning about how to judge dogs, basically, the anatomy of the dog and all that kind of stuff. And then the AKC wants you to start all over again. And it's hard being, being 65, 70 years old to start over with. You know, why do I want to start all over if when, you know, like we've got two boarding kennels right now and they're doing very well. Why should I take all my time and go through all these things and the um, seminars and all that kind of stuff and pay money to do something, something that I've done my whole life? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, that's, that's exactly how it, that's what it comes down to. Now they're doing, they, you can't, AKC has done a great job in education and whatnot and and this new program is, is a great idea but prior to that it was difficult especially i know they wanted to make it fair but life's not fair bruce you know there are some people that are better than others in certain aspects in this world and it's just it's just natural like like someone's i'm not a good hockey player <laughs> i wish i i shouldn't have to, i shouldn't be allowed to or bobby or shouldn't have to start where i start because he is magic and i'm just an average hockey player right absolutely yeah absolutely you know akc knows what handlers are good handlers and what handlers know good dogs and whether or not they can judge dogs and you know that's why lynn brumby i mean he knew all the handlers he knew who's going to be good right he knew who was bad and the the good ones that he thought would make good judges, he put through. And but it's not it wasn't that way anymore. So 
it, 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 it's, it's getting closer again with this new program, I think, but it's, you know, yeah. you're right. It is. Well, I think we've missed out on a lot of people that could have really made an impact on our sport. So. Oh, absolutely. You know, I know people that were handling, you know, the new stuff and uh, once they quit, you know, they go, why do I want to do that? When they don't trust you to be a good judge, you know, they don't think you're a good judge and not able to do it. So they make you start all over again. So, yeah. you know, that's why a lot of the handlers didn't go on with it. Yeah, and we've, we've lost out in a lot of amazing breeders as well that could have been just amazing judges. They just, oh, they don't want to start they don't think they should and i i agree with them they shouldn't have to go down and start again like that because they've already given their whole life to it they they, they know their stuff yeah and the good breeders are the same thing that i said before a casey should know who the good breeders are and they whether it's a cocker spaniel or anything like that they should be able to pick up a dog no matter what Readers, yep. with some education and everything else so um they've got to be there's got to be a system that they can go to that that says okay you know we're going to do this with you and meanwhile you've got to do a little bit of education work and all that stuff and to go with it you know i agree with that oh there's no question you you need the education like I find myself even on the past week, and I was I was watching a class, and the, there was such indifference in the class, it made me go back to the standard and check something. <laughs> so when I was oh, at yeah. the ring, watching, so yeah, but that's what that's basically why I didn't go into judging because you know Tara was still showing and everything, and she you know she loves the sport, yeah, you know, and um, I'm not going to ask her. Just to stop. Does she have aspirations to judge? You ever asked her that? I don't know. Maybe later. <laughs> He'd be a great judge as well. So. Yeah. 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 So, but she's real busy too right now. I mean, she takes care of this uh, kennels and all that kind of stuff, and she's doing a wonderful job of it. And um, in it. She had three jobs uh, up until just recently. She cut back a little bit on the showing and all that kind of stuff because she was so busy with the kennels. And then she would go show, and it was like me all over again, working seven days a week. Yeah, you just can't. You can't. And you can only do that for so long. Right. So you've got to sit down and say, you know, what's going to benefit me at the most in the long run? And that's why we bought the kennels because we know in the long run they're going to be there when we need an income and everything else. And like I barely, I don't even show anymore because I'm 73 years old and you know, my body aches and everything else. And she's so good at it, she does a wonderful job at it. You know, I don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. so. oh, I can tell I wasn't too that long ago. You're kicking my ass out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, not always. You kick my ass in life too. <laughs> and see, these are the things that we we remember. I mean, 
Uh, I loved going to the shows to see you and a number of others like Elliot Moore and all the backies because we had fun together. We could always win wins or draw or whatever, and afterwards we were still friends. Oh, yeah. And that's what it's all about. And a lot of the things, a lot of the people now are so cutthroat that if they don't win, I mean, they get all pissy and everything else and pissed off at the judge, pissed off at the handler, and that's wrong. You know, they've got to be a sportsman. This is a sport where you're going to win and you're going to lose. And if you can't lose, get the hell out. Well, I, that was one thing that always is said about you. What a sportsman you are! I, I was talking about. I was talking to Wayne. I was telling Wayne this interview was coming up, and he said to give you his best. And he was telling a story about you. I guess you came to the house one time, and and you're. He says his. Um, he has this amazing ability that all the dogs loved him. Even dogs that Wayne had issues with trying to show, you could just befriend it and. Yeah, start showing. He and he said you were always a gentleman and always a sport. That's just that's just the way it was. And I don't think I've ever seen you angry. <laughs> oh, I've been angry. Oh, I'm sure you have, but I've never witnessed it. I can't think in my mind where I've ever yeah. seen you angry. So. Yeah, I had good upbringing and everything else. My my parents, you know, taught me to be a humble person and everything else. And you know, if you get if you don't do something, you know, that you know, like win or whatever, it's not the end of the world. That's right. Hey, there's tomorrow, you know. Lots of dogs. You know, a lot of the handlers don't realize that. And they're out to beat you no matter what. Yeah. You know, they'll sell their mother to get a win. You know. I know. Just, I hate to say that, but it's true. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And. You know, especially on the on the east coast, our west coast, it might not be as bad on the coast uh, on the west coast. But you know, it's just oh my god! If you don't win, I mean, it's the end of the world. It ruins so, your week, right? I, I, I always used to make fun of. I didn't make fun of them. I used to mock them sometimes. The ones that, that if they lost on Sunday, it just ruined their week. And then that you can't be like that. You know that, uh, oh, that way. Yeah. And that's probably why, you know, being a good sport and all that kind of stuff. And it was probably why I had so much of the fun at the shows when we did it and everything else and had good dogs. And, you know, I loved doing it. I loved the dogs. I loved the people that I showed for. I had a lot of really, really good clients and they stayed with me for years. Some of them are still with us. Yeah. You know, that I've shown for 40 years. That, and that's a statement in itself. Like I was telling, yeah. I was talking to a young handler about that just the other day. If you're, I, I, I like, just like you, I had clients that were with me my entire career. And yeah. that shows what that, that you've connected. Yeah. yeah. And then you get these uh, handlers that go out there and they must be doing something wrong because they'll show one winning dog for someone. And then that's it. Then they move on to another person to show another one, another one. Well, what happened to the other the person that you won with? You know, where are they? Why didn't 
Why did they stick with you and all that good stuff? There had to be a reason for it. So, and if you treat your clients good, you know, they're going to treat you good. And if they get good dogs, you know, they'll try to get good dogs because they'll listen to you and everything else. And, you know, there might be an interim where they don't have a dog or whatever, and in the handlers forget about them. Well, you know, they'll never come back. Right. You know, they'll find someone else. So, you know, that's my advice to the handlers coming up. No, I agree. And it, it, it's it's like a team, and and it, you want to have longevity with that team. You know, you you know each other, you trust each other, and just makes the whole process much more enjoyable. You know, you yeah. you know what to expect from each side. Yeah, and there's so many young handlers that maybe come out came out of juniors or whatever that never worked for a handler and don't even know how to take care of a dog. Oh, animal husbandry is 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 a lost art. That's the first thing I taught everyone. Yeah. I said, hey, first you pick up poop and you learn how to take care of the dogs and you watch the dogs, you feed the dogs and everything else. And then you can start maybe grooming a little bit or whatever, getting the dogs ready. And you're not going to walk in the ring right away and search on dogs. Yeah. I mean, if you think you're going to do that, don't even bother start working. So you've got to work at it, no matter what. And I, yeah, when you hear about, about like, I, I do a lot of these interviews, and the, and the overall thing is you'll find these people worked for their handlers for quite a long time. Like, you worked for almost 10 years before you decide to go on your own, and, yeah. and that's unheard of now. It's unheard yeah. of. You know, they, they, they come into junior handling and I hate to say it, they hang up their shingle and away they go, you know, yeah. Yeah. you know, plus having another job. You yeah. know? So, <laughs> just, so anyway. And then I'm not saying there's a lot of really good young handlers, but there's some that try to fast track, you know, it's, it's, oh, uh, yeah. it's not yeah. going to work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any other advice? What, what about, we, we sort of talked about you wanting to be, a, your judging aspirations on your thoughts on judging. Even though you're you're not going to go down that avenue, what what about advice? If I were to come to you, Bruce, and say, I, I, I'm going to be a judge, Bruce, what do you think I should do? What, what advice would you give me? Well, probably go with your heart. You know, you're a good enough person to go in there and, make a decision of what dog you want to put up. And it might be shown by a friend that you had or whatever. It might be shown by someone that you don't like. Yeah. You know? And you go in there and put up the dog that you want to put up. And study the breeds and everything else before you go judging. And get to know the breeds. You know, talk, you know, talk to the handlers and the breeders that are very successful in that breed and want to judge. So that's that's what I want to advise. That, that is that is true. When you when you think about it, it's if if you stand back and use common sense looking at our sport, if you want to be successful, you just look and see who's been successful and talk with them or emulate them and find out what the recipe is or what they've done. Yeah, I mean it's just a lot of hard work, but obviously they're doing something right. Yeah. Know? Yeah, that's better than going to the seminars, I think, where a lot of times they have people that 
really don't know the breed that they're representing and trying to teach the judges. Yeah. And, you know, I've had a lot of people and everything else that I know and I read stuff that really don't know the breed that they're judging. They just go through the motions and that's it. So, and you can tell which judges they are. Oh, yes, no question. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like... At the, in the old system, at least up here in Canada, where it was back in the day you were asked to judge, like it didn't take you, like even even up here, we have to start at the beginning and, and crawl up. But back in the day when the CKC assigned, like I always, go, I always go back to Bob Waters, when he first applied to judge, somebody in the CKC office didn't really know who he was, and they sent him back a, a note saying he could judge Dobermans. But then, luckily, somebody else in the office saw his application and then stamped him all breed. And he was all breed like boom in Canada. And he just, there was no question. He was one of our best judges of all time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but though that's, I think that's, that was a common sense way of doing it because if he wasn't, if he ended up not being as good as they all thought he was going to be, he wouldn't have got the assignments back then. So, yeah. That's yeah. Just he said, I, I loved it every time he came down here because. I would show to him any time in the oh, day. Sure. Yeah, whether you win or lose, you know, you know, Bob Waters was a good judge. Yeah. And he always it was you could ask him anything. He'd tell you why he chose Bruce's Bruce's dog over my dog. He would tell yeah. you. And you should be able to do that. Yep, for sure. So I, I have one more question for you before I let you go. I don't want to keep you all day. If you were to meet the 20-year-old Bruce Schultz now, is there any advice you'd give him? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Are you going to tell us? <laughs> uh, don't run so long. <laughs> I was still running when I was 70 years old. Oh, wow. You know? And, you know, I had a great career. You did. I mean, I had a wonderful career. I can't, you know, say anything bad about it. You know, I had a great career with my clients, with the dogs that I showed, uh, everything about it and everything. Uh, I think that I waited too long to start investing in all that kind of stuff. I've been very, very lucky because... We bought the two kennels and, and worked very hard on them and everything else, and uh, and it paid off because. But in my earlier years, I didn't put enough money away, thinking that oh, there's a lot of time to put money away and all that kind of stuff. But hey, start putting it away right away, yeah, and start investing it, and that's what I would do different with my career. That's good. Yeah. Start investing money in the, for the future. That's that's good advice because it's amazing, isn't it? Notoriously, how handlers are bad at their money management. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they yeah. all they're gonna have that money forever. You know, it all comes in, and you think, oh, I have all the money, but that I have all the money. If I could just make more too, so yeah, it's not the way yeah. it works in the long run. So yeah, so that's my advice. <laughs> yeah. 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 Be good to your clients. Be good to your dogs. Take care of your dogs. So that's good. And I appreciate your time, Bruce. Yeah. And be a sportsman. 
that's a, you know, it's true. It takes you, it just makes life so much easier if you are a sportsman. So, but yeah. it does, you know, you're not pining about things and nothing gets to you as much because you, you have the ability to shake it off and go on to the next one. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of the things that Tara asked me, you know, once in a while, you know, how did you do this so long and still be a gentleman and all that kind of stuff? Because there's so many people that are jerks and try to pull you and everything else. And, you know, you just have to let them go. Think about yourself and everything else and, and what you're going to do and go there. So it's true. Makes a happier life for you. Oh, I can't agree more. You have to live life that way, or else you're just going to be hiding inside all the time. So, yeah, I've been very fortunate with Tara. She's a wonderful lady and she's intelligent. She's a hard worker and she loves the sport. So, I've been very, very lucky to have her. So, and she takes care of me. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, thanks, Bruce. And I'll I'll see you down the road somewhere, I'm sure. So oh thank you, Will, and hope to see you soon. And uh, I'm missing you. So. Oh, thank you. Talk soon. I love watching you with a setter. Ah, thanks. I always <laughs> loved watching you with a setter. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. right, Bruce. Okay. Hey, thanks, Will. Thank you. Well, thanks, Bruce. That was a great interview. It was great catching up. It seems like I haven't seen you in forever. If you like what we're doing here, make sure you press the like, share, and subscribe button. You want to get a hold of me, kind of hold me out at dogswithtips at gmail.com. Or if you just want to find out what's happening in Will's world, go to willalexander.net. And don't forget about the podcast with Wayne Cavanaugh and myself, the dog show drive every Thursday. Until then, take care, guys. <laughs>